Start with a nice word on Parsh Mikait. In Divri Yisrul, he brings a word, Vayim Mikait Shosayim Yumam, Yipare Choylem Ino Oymed Aleyor. So he says that the whole Olam Hazah, the whole world that we live in, is really just the Olam Oiver. As we all know, right, passing stage, Haskanat Smokhuba Proizder, Kadesh Tekwanis Lataklin. It's very hard to realize it, as we're in this world, living in and experiencing, experiencing it, it looks very real. But it's really just in order to get somewhere. And just like a ship was traveling in the ocean, right, is really just in a, in a passing stage. It's so it's so important to remember that you know that that's really what we're doing in this world. And unfortunately, very often, very many of us, you know, forget on different levels you know, what we're really doing here. See, he gives an emotion of somebody would build a house on a river during the winter when the when the river is frozen. See, so he builds a house and it looks like it's standing. It looks like it's very strong. It looks like it's very real. And as the winter passes. You know, the river melts, and the ice, all the ice melts away, and all of a sudden he realizes that he's standing on nothing. So he says the same thing when a person is living in this world so comfortably, and he thinks it's something, but, you know, when he has this chis to wake up and realize that it's nothing, you know, he doesn't think that it's, it's as important and as uh, significant and as, as real as it seemed the whole time. So he says that's what the Pusik is telling us, when a person wakes up from the sleep, he wakes up from the Havle Azman. This Wurim says, He becomes aware of the fact that it's all just a Chulim. He realizes that he's basically like a, like a ship that's traveling in the ocean, and all he's really doing is, is passing through. And also, it's, it's, uh, it's compared to somebody who, who built a house on the river. And really, it's all just passing by from under him. And if he doesn't wake up in time, you know, he could be fooling himself all his life. Now, this is obviously such an important lesson. Every day and every moment, if only we'd remember you know, what the real uh, goal in life and the real importance in life is, of course, we would be doing things differently. And we do remember. We do try to remember every once in a while. We keep on doing things that are good, and we keep on remembering that there's more important things in life. But the idea that so often... We behave and we live in a way that uh, is so similar to somebody who's, who's literally dreaming or somebody who's fooling himself. You know, sometimes it's hard to wake up in the middle of a dream. It really is. When somebody's dreaming, you know, to tell them, you know, wake up and realize that it's, that it's not reality. Wait, wake up and realize that it's all just uh, imagination. It's very hard when somebody's in the middle of a dream. But this Furama teaching us that sometimes that's what's expected of us. And very often, that which seems to us to be so significant and so important, is, it's sometimes so, so hard to realize that it's really not, because we're in the middle of the dream. So often when it comes to relationships, people tend to give significance to such minor things, things that they themselves know really are not so significant. They themselves know that there's a greater goal, there's more important things, it's only a passing stage. But when you get caught in the moment, it's so hard to realize that yeah, this is, this is what is meant, you know, when, when we talk about this idea that it's not so important. If only I could let it go. If only I don't get so caught up in the moment and think that it's so important, you know, to stelzich and to be stuck on this thing and to be right and, and to not uh, forgive or not forget or not to let it pass because it has to be my way. You, you're just dreaming. And very often, when you look back a week later or a few days later or a year later, and some people 20 years later, they look back and they say, you know, it was so silly the way I was so stubborn about that, the way it meant so much to me, the way, the way I thought it was so important for me to get it my way. And then you, when you wake up from it, you see that it was a dream. And if only we could do that a little earlier and realize that a lot of the things that we thought are so important or think are so important, 
and we get so stuck on, and we give up on so many more important things, so many more important things like our relationship and the people we care about, we give up because something seemed in the moment so important, and really it was just like a house standing on the river that was, you know, after it melts away, you realize that it was just nothing. So there's just something to think about. You know, maybe we could apply it to different situations that we're going through, different uh, things that look so important or so difficult or so challenging, and realize, you know, it's not really so important. Obviously, the emotions are real, and the way we see something, the way we feel something, the way we experience something, it's all very real. But it doesn't mean that it's as real as we think it is or as important as we think it is. So let me just um, go straight into a question. It's a rather long question, a uh, rather long email. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to read whichever parts are, are relevant. I like this. Dear Rabbi Gruen, um, thank you for having an inbox that so graciously allows me to spill my thoughts over onto paper or onto computer screen. Mostly feelings of resent, resentment are bubbling up within me toward my husband. I wish to, fa- to share with you the following scenario. I'm upset that he didn't ask me before he called in a tzedakah collector to feed him in my tiny little apartment while I was bathing my child. After the unwanted visitor finished his lavish meal, served so graciously by my spouse, which obviously left over a big mess that I had to clean and take my part in this mitzvah, I sat down to eat dinner with my with my with my husband. Given past unsuccessful experiences, I was too afraid to share my objection and disappointment about what happened. I knew it would not be taken well, and my husband would get defensive. So I just sat there at the table facing him and tried to seem as neutral as possible. No extra warmth, no specific cold shoulder. I tried to let it pass in my brain without communicating. And my husband made some sarcastic comment about what a good appetite he has to eat now, being such a, being, sitting near such a grouchy wife. At this point, I break my guard, and I told him that, I, that he didn't come home to a grouchy wife. I was happy and beautiful when he walked in, and I was just turned off and bothered immensely by the fact that during such a hectic time with my children in my small apartment, I was very uncomfortable with him inviting a stranger without asking me first. I felt that it really infringed on my privacy and my space, and I asked him politely from the future if something comes up like that, he should possibly check in with me before if it's okay to invite someone into my small house, especially when I'm busy with the children and not ready for guests. He did not validate my point at all, and he was upset why I feel this way. He wanted to feel admired for the great mitzvah of Achnasasarach he just performed, and he told me, when it comes to feeding a yid that's hungry, I will not ask, never. So I was left to feel very stingy, nasty, and selfish, why I can't stretch myself to feed another Yiddishkind, when really I was the one left to clean up with the mess, and my children didn't have my attention that night, and there was somebody in my own home that was making me feel so uncomfortable. How do I deal with these real knee-deep resentments I feel toward my husband. When I mention anything from the past that bothers me, it falls on deaf ears, he becomes defensive, and at most I get some sarcastic remark like, wow, you're such a pity. Am I trying to find faults and bad things about him? I feel so guilty when I raise these things and these topics. Why am I not forgiving and forgetting and just letting go? Why do I harbor all these terrible thoughts, thinking that he's abusive? The guilt is killing me. Or perhaps there really is a better way to do this, and I just, know, I just don't know how to have a healthy relationship. I start feeling that everything is just wrong, wrong, wrong in our marriage and bound to collapse any minute. And maybe I'm not. Um, look, and maybe I just don't know how to find the good in the marriage. And the confusion and the illusion is hurting so much. Who is the good one? Who is the bad one? Is this a normal way to, for two people to live? Am I just magnifying and exaggerating the problems? Or really everything is good? I wish that I can get some clarity 
as all this constant guilt and emotion is killing me. I don't want to have difficult feelings towards somebody I'm meant to love and cherish and respect. I'm sure that he has a lot of complaints against me as well, but he will never ask anyone what to do. Thanks for allowing me to vent, even if a response is not shy, just the Yasechen Elachayrim was very therapeutic. Yashikoyach. Okay, so let me just start with this. Um, both in the beginning and the end of this of this letter, the writer um, thanks me for having an inbox that lets people vent and share their thoughts and their feelings. And then the end again talks about how therapeutic that is. And I'll mention clearly that it's true. It is very therapeutic. And it's important sometimes to just be able to give, talk about your feelings or write down your feelings or tell someone your feelings. Now, I mentioned many times in the past, and I'll say it again, of course you have to be careful who you're telling it to. You only want to share your feelings with somebody who's going to be a help. Not necessarily even with great advice, as much as not making things worse. Somebody who can validate you without making you feel like a bigger Rahmanas than you are already, and not, not making the resentment grow even more. That's very important. But it's definitely important to vent. And, and no, you're not crazy. I'll tell you that much. You know, the question is, am I crazy for feeling this way? Maybe I shouldn't feel resentful at all. Maybe I'm just looking for problems. And the answer is no, you're not crazy. Feelings are very real and feelings are very normal. And I think very many people, I'm not going to say everyone, but very many people would feel, you know, like somebody just uh, did something wrong by bringing someone into the house, unexpected, it's a small house. So it's, it's, it's very important to feel um, validated. And I'm not, I'm not saying it because I want to make the question feel good. I'm saying it because it's important for people to realize that when you have, when you have negative feelings, it's, it's, first of all, it's okay to feel them. And you're not crazy for feeling them. You shouldn't feel guilty for feeling them. And you shouldn't feel guilty for expressing them, whether it's on a paper or to somebody who could hear you out and make you feel better. No, all that is fine. What, what is very important is not to always believe the way you feel. In other words, not everything you feel is necessarily true. Not every time you're upset at somebody or feeling resentful, it means that you're a pity. It means that you fell in, in a marriage. It means you're married to a bad person. You can't always trust feelings. You're allowed to feel them. You shouldn't always trust them. And another thing is that when feelings are about something specific, you should try to keep them isolated. In other words, I'm feeling offended by what was said today. I'm feeling resentful about what happened today. I'm feeling upset or angry about the way I was treated today. That's fine. When you start generalizing, maybe nothing is good in my marriage, maybe I'm a bad person, maybe my husband's a bad person, maybe we didn't, we didn't marry each other, maybe we shouldn't, we're not cut out for each other. No, that's not good. And unfortunately, that's what happens very often. It's also, it's also part of the natural um, you know, way of, of processing negative emotions. But it's important to try to remember that. If something's bothering you, try not to connect all the dots. Now, some people will say, what do you mean? But the same thing happens again and again. How can I not connect the dots? It's still so important to try. Try to compartmentalize and realize, this is what's bothering me today. The fact that it happened last week, we spoke about it. Uh, you know, he apologized, I apologized. Now we are having an issue. And we're having an issue. And it's important to deal with. So it's just important to, to try not to generalize and, and make everything look bad. You know, if only we would do it with the positive. If only when we have a good moment, we would say, oh, wow, everything is really good. Now I realize that my spouse always means good. But to generalize with the negative feelings, that's, that's something that's, that's not very helpful. So let me, let me talk about a topic that I, I, I don't talk about often. And then we'll get back to the questioner. And that topic is about having guests in a house. So let me first discuss it a little um, abstract, not about this scenario at all. I had many Yingalait, many young men, Beiker, um, sometimes it's women, but most often it's men, that complained to me 
that um, I wish I would have more guests at home. I love, I love hosting. I did it when I was at Bukhar and Adira. I love having friends over. Um, there's people in Shield that look for where to eat, and I wish I could have them over. There's so many people that enjoy that, whether it's because they're social butterflies or because they tackle like the mitzvah of or whatever it is. They like having people over. And my wife can't handle it. She can't handle the preparation. She can't handle uh, making the house clean enough for people to come. She can't handle people infringing on our privacy. You know, and, and very often, people get very resentful. I, I, can't, I can't have people coming over in my house. I know a guy who needs where to sleep. I know this Alta Bukhar. I know this divorced guy. I know this guy who's alone. Abuch, doesn't have where to sleep. Doesn't have where to eat. I wish I could take him in. My wife, my wife won't have it. And you have the same thing, just interestingly, same idea almost, with car rides. You have people who would love they could take people along with them in the car. Um, when going to a chasna, they're going to a simcha, the family members that need a ride. My, my wife won't hear of it. No, quality time, we have to be together. All of a sudden, she needs quality time. She never looks at me. All of a sudden, she can't have anyone in the car with us. So it, it's important to understand this. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into right and wrong, but I just want to point out that so often you see these differences where one person is so much more comfortable with having people over in the house and, and offering and, and doing it, you know, and feeling so good about it and so important to them to do this. And for some people, this is a big strain and, and, and people don't like it. You know, people don't like it. Now, it's very easy to, to justify and, 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 what's the word, you know, make this look like a whole noble idea of having guests. So even if the Shalom bias goes rocky because the, the Shechina is going away, but the Shalom is coming in, you know, it's very easy to talk about it as if it's a major Lashem Shemaim kind of thing. And that's why I'm right and my spouse is wrong. You know, I, I remember this, um, I remember hearing from the Magad, the Bianca of Galinsky when I was a kid. He once said at Rusha, I didn't understand much of it, but one joke that I did understand was about the guy who used to go around by chasnas taking, taking money out of people's coat packets um, and he would say, listen, it's tzedakah, and there's nothing greater than Matan Besaisa. So if people don't even know I'm taking it from them, that's like the biggest form of tzedakah they could do. It, it's very nice to talk about how noble something is and, 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 and try to come up with ways to explain why the fact that my wife doesn't allow it and it's putting a strain on my shalom bias just makes it a bigger mitzvah, you know? But you have to realize, there's a lot of ways to do There's a lot of ways to do tzedakah. Especially today, you know, it's easy to pay a few dollars and have somebody um, and fund a meal for a poor person. But to do it in a way that's, that's, that's causing your shalom bias to, you know, to, to be more problematic, it's just something to think about. There's definitely other ways to do these mitzvahs, but to do it in a way that's hurting you and your family, regardless of right and wrong, and regardless of how much you like it, and regardless of how much it bothers you that, you, that your wife can handle it, it's just important to, 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 to realize and prioritize that, you know, there's something very important here that, that's, that's happening, and that's that your marriage is not, uh, you know, it, it's, there, are, there are important things in life. Now, I'm not saying that you should never have guests and that if your wife doesn't want to have guests, you should never bring them in. And I believe that with the proper communication, you could at least find some common ground about when to have a guest and when not to have guests and who to have and, and things like that. You know, I, I, would, I would believe that if you ask in advance and you do it in a way that's, that's uh, easier for your wife, I, I believe it could be done. Now, many people say, I don't want to have to ask. And sometimes I meet a guy in Sheila and he doesn't have where to eat and I want to be able to take a moment. I understand all that. But that's where people have to make a choice and, and not get so resentful. And when you, when you just get upset over the fact that you can't have as many guests as you want without realizing that, listen, you know, you married someone and your marriage, forget about your wife coming first, your marriage might come first. Your shown bias might come first. Don't look at it like a major sacrifice and you're, being a, a, and, and you're a major victim that you can't do what you want. 
you could do what you want. You could try to be happily married and understand your spouse. So instead of seeing it as being controlled and, and, and being a victim, it's important to realize there's another person here. Now, on the other hand, let me, let me mention very clearly that a woman who can understand that her husband has different priorities and he appreciates strangers in the house and it makes him feel good that he could do this mitzvah and it makes him feel good to have who to talk to by the cedar or, or, or to feel like he's a, a big machnas oirach and things like that. And, and, could, and, a, and a woman who could consider at least accommodating or at least acknowledging and coming forward halfway because this is important to him, that's very important. My point is not to say that if it's achnus sarcham or shulam bayis, achnus is not important. Not at all. I think achnus sarcham is a wonderful mitzvah. I think that any woman out there who knows that to her husband this is important should definitely try to work along and not be difficult about it. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not talking about this question at all. I'm just mentioning the general idea because it doesn't come up often. It hasn't come up often in the past, but I've heard it from people very often. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm pointing all this out. It's important to accept the difference of approach and deal with it instead of resenting it. So a woman who resents her husband's style or a husband who resents uh, his wife's style should understand that the, the marriage and making the other, the other spouse happy might be more important sometimes than your style of wanting or not wanting guests. And the fact that you could maybe come halfway and understand each other instead of, instead of one person controlling the decisions you know, and, and work along, I think that's very important. And it is true that it's not a question. It's not a question of having people over. It's very important. Now, of course... The, the question comes up of um, who to have over. Maybe some people are not a great influence for the kids. Maybe some see this are better if the kids have their private attention. Maybe some women are just too stressed out to, to have guests. And sometimes it will be easier. Sometimes you could buy food instead of cooking food. There's so many ways to deal with these things. And mature adults should definitely try to understand each other and, and work along with each other. I just wanted to mention the two sides of the coin. Because, because I hear it so often. You know, so this is something to think about. Um, regardless of which side of the coin you find yourself. Now... Back to the questioner, after the fact, right? Your husband brought home a guest, and he did it in the wrong time, the wrong place, and you feel resentful about it. And rightfully so, like we started off, you know, it's a lot to bother you, the fact that somebody did something you really don't like, and did it in a way that you don't like, and what do we do now? So the first thing I, I want to mention is that, just like in any argument, in any conflict, right, you're, you're definitely entitled to your feelings and your perspective. And I think the first thing you want to do is try to see it from the other person's um, perspective, so often we see something a certain way and, and we, see, we see it the way we see it without realizing even, without being able to, to properly process what somebody else is thinking. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't repeat it. So often people will say, yeah, he thinks he's doing a big mitzvah, of course. And No, no, no. Don't say he thinks, of course. Realize what it is that he's thinking. He definitely has a lot of noble intentions and he take a, um, thinks he did a great thing. And it's important to be able to at least represent him as a lawyer if you had to, just understand what it is that you're dealing with instead of, instead of looking down at it, instead of uh, being upset at it. The first thing I'll tell you to do is, is compliment him on his good heart. So often we're afraid that if we say a nice word about something someone did, it's going to basically mean that we just gave in and we just agreed with what he did. I think it's very wrong. I think it's fine to tell someone, you know, I, I really look up to you for that. I would never be able to do it. That doesn't mean that you now let it later or even then uh, mention why it bothered you. But at, at first say it just to, just to take over the, you know, the, the edge off of the disagreement and the, and the resentment. There's also the whole idea, obviously, of knowing how and when to say something. Now, obviously, when somebody's feeling hurt and they sit down and they're not in a very great mood because of something, okay, you know, that, that's how we are. It's very hard to put, up a, uh, put on a show and a real cover-up when something's bothering you. But to discuss something like this when it's bothering you, it's so important to know how and when to discuss it. So if you can, 
and only if you can, obviously. And you can sit down and try to be nice about it and compliment your husband about it. And the day later, bring it up in a healthy way. It's just so much easier to get the message across. And so often we say things in the wrong time because it's, it's sitting on our tongue and, and we just have to get it off our chest. And we have all those, all those, all those nice uh, rationales about, about why we do something. And you just kill it because in the moment, someone's not ready to hear it. Now, when the right time does come up and you want to communicate something, it's important to start off with why you respect what he did and that you understand why he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. And, right, I always say the word and and not the word but, and you would appreciate if the next time things could be done a little differently. In other words, when you ask that something should be done next time differently, it doesn't mean that this time it wasn't good. This time it was great. This time it was special. This time you're very good. This time you meant well. This time it could be it was my problem that I wasn't ready for it. Or this time, but, but I would appreciate I would appreciate if, if next time could be a little better or a little different. Or if you could let me know. Or if you could just knock on the door and give me the, the few minutes advance notice. Or when you meet this guy in Shield and you can give me a call. Or just ask me if it's okay. I'll, I'll even just feel better if you ask me. I'll probably be okay with it. Now, if you communicate nicely, most often it could be taken well. But what if it's not taken well? What if you say something in the right time and the right way and it's not taken well? Many people get very offended or turned off when I was so careful. I said it like this and like that. And he said, no way. So this is very important. I, I tell to people often, especially with children also, if you say something the right way, and you thought about it before, you say the right time, the right way, even if somebody doesn't accept it, most often they really did. Very important rule. If you say something the right way, and you made sure that nobody felt challenged by your message, and you said it with confidence, and you were ready, and you prepared your message, even if somebody says no, chances are they will do it next time the way you asked. In other words, even if, even if, even if it's a pastnish, they, they, they aren't able to just just uh, be wrong and say, oh, I made a mistake, even if they can't do that, or even if they can't commit to doing it the way you asked that it should be done next time, chances are they will do it that way. So don't, don't get turned off and, and don't turn it into a debate and don't try to, on the spot, win the argument. If you said it the right way, you could, you could be pretty sure that it will probably be taken well and, and, and you could leave it at that. So that's just very important. And the very fact that you're not winning the argument on the spot is also very, very often exactly what it is that will be will make it easier for somebody to, to accommodate you next time. So that's, that's another important idea. Another thing that we talk about often is the fact that a lot of this conflict, or most of this conflict, if not all of it, is emotion-based, which means don't, don't go into logic. And, and so it's funny, people talk to me, people tell me all the time different scenarios they had. So I explained to my wife, so Hamas began, so I explained. And I have this knee-jerk reaction when somebody says those words I explained. Stop explaining. In all situations, of, in all scenarios of, of, of conflict, the word explaining is, is a turn-off. Now, it's subconscious, so people not, might not even realize what it is that's turning them off. Stop explaining. Stop explaining why in a small apartment um, it's wrong to just bring in a guest unexpectedly. Stop explaining why somebody is doing something that's hurting you. Stop, stop explaining all these things, because explaining means that you're right and he's wrong. Explaining means that, he has, that if, he doesn't, if he doesn't agree with you, or if he does agree with you, it means he was wrong. Or, or if he doesn't agree with you, you think he's, you think he's uh, you know, stupid. Stop explaining things. Share how you feel and be clear about what it is that you want. And that's it. And leave it at that. It's so much easier for someone to hear how you feel and take you seriously if you're not explaining yourself and, and, and they're coming off and they're coming out wrong. You're proving negativity on somebody else's decisions or, or behaviors is not going to make it easier for them to accept, even though sometimes it would seem so simple that that's how it should be. So that's, that's, that's also you know, just a very important rule when it comes to anything like this. Um, 
Another thing, you know, you sound resentful that a guest came and there's dishes to clean and there's something to clean up. I'm not sure why you wouldn't ask for help. So often we're left with things that, that are our responsibility and we understand that it's for us to do and we're left staying up late at night and doing things because someone else did something. It's fine to ask for help if you ask nicely. Why wouldn't you ask for help? Why get resentful that now something is left for you to take care of to clean up after someone? You could ask for help and it's okay. It's just, it's just important to remember that. Like what, instead of getting resentful sometimes, you can ask nicely. It's very special that you bring in guests. It, it does add a few responsibilities. I would appreciate it if you could help me with it. What's the big deal? Now, some people say, well, I don't want to have to ask. It goes into the whole thing. You know, I don't, I don't want to have to. But if, you, but, if, but if you're feeling resentful about it, and, and you could ask, I definitely think that was um, you know, a lot more, more important. And in general, is the old idea of understanding what really affects you personally and what not. You know, sometimes... Sometimes the fact that uh, somebody did something without asking you is, is bothersome, but it really doesn't affect you. And then it's important to realize that, you know, as much as I didn't like it, it has nothing to do with me. And then there are other parts that really do affect you. Like I said, the, either the part about cleaning up, or the part about preparing, or the part about being locked up in your room when there's a guest there, or, or not being able to, you know, play with your kids in the dining room. And very often, if, if, you, if you realize which parts do affect you and which don't, you might realize both that you could communicate the parts that do and take care of them, Maybe those could be dealt with. Sometimes you'll realize that it's affecting you because you decided that it should affect you. Maybe you could play with your child in the living room when there's a guest in the dining room. Who said you can't? Now, I know it might not be comfortable, and I don't mean to say that, that, that it's always going to be easy. I'm just saying sometimes people don't realize how it aff- certain things affect them almost by choice because they decided that, it, well, if you have someone in the house, then I'm going to stay out. Um, I'm shopping till, till the guest leaves because I don't feel comfortable coming home. Now, you're getting resentful toward your husband for having a guest in the house, but really it has nothing to do with you. So that's just something to think about. There are parts that may affect you even if you don't want, and those are the parts that you're more, um, you know, you have more reason to complain or more reason to chabad you and, and more reason to, to not just let it go and, and, and feel hurt. And then you have the things that, you know, I don't know. It, it could be the fact that it's a small apartment. Obviously it takes away some privacy, but maybe it doesn't affect you as much as you think it does. And it's important to realize that. So like I, start, like I said earlier, the fact that you and your husband could see more eye to eye, clear and agree on some, um, somewhere halfway of understanding how and when to take in people and things like that. You know, that's also something important to think about. Now, I know that a lot of taking in guests and a lot of these L'Shem Shemayim kind of ideas are personality-based. You know, some people like guests, some people don't like guests, some people, um, whatever. There's different reasons why some people do and some people don't. It's not always the same. But I'm just saying just understanding that my marriage is more important. And like we started off with, a lot of things, as you're dreaming, they look so real and so important and so significant. And you left a week later with a relationship that's, that's less happy and less grounded and less connected because of something relatively trivial, which, which I understand why it bothers you. But it's just something to think about. You know, that's why we're here in this world, to remember the important things. And that, as the saying goes, the most important things in life are not things. And if we can understand each other better and communicate better, and, and, and know when and how to say things. You know, and I myself, this is definitely um, something that could help us long-term live Bahava Achva Shulam Varayas.